Hey guys, welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm talking with Roman Hannes. Roman has been working closely with the indigenous Peruvian cultures in the Amazonian rainforest and Andean mountains since 2001. And in 2002, Roman was fortunate to be cured from a terminal genetic illness, Crohn's disease, and has since devoted his life to learning the ancient healing ways of these cultures. He's a certified practitioner in traditional Chinese medicine and also a practitioner in Eastern spiritual disciplines of Tibetan breathwork and meditation, as well as Jungian psychology. And in 2004, Roman was pledged as a healer curandero by the Witoto tribe and has since served the international community as a medicine man ever since and has helped numerous individuals overcome many health issues and pathologies on a physical, mental and spiritual level. Roman, thank you so much for being here today. It's fantastic to talk to you. Fantastic. I, we, we were chatting just a second ago before I hit record and um, basically I was just explaining how, you know, I watched a documentary about three or four months ago called The Sacred Science and as soon as I got to the end, I immediately got in touch with the people responsible for it and um, just thought this is a topic which would absolutely be fantastic for Spirit Pig and we need to talk about. Um, so basically just a little introduction of uh, Sacred Science and then we'll jump in. Um, I think over 25% of all modern pharmaceuticals come from plants in the Amazonian rainforest. And the Amazon is home of 44,000 species of plants. And most ethnobotanists agree that this region is the most obvious place to look for cures for cancer, MS, Alzheimer's, you name it. But the crazy, crazy thing about all of this is that less than 1% of all of these plants have been studied by scientists for their healing potential. And even though there's documented proof that these jungle medicines are extremely effective, the research and patenting process takes so long that most of us will not be alive today to see them uh, like used in the modern world. So realising this, the medicines wouldn't come to them. Producer and film director Nick Polizzi teamed up with Roman to bring eight patients to the medicines. And uh, yeah, eight people with different illnesses ranging from Parkinson's, breast cancer, Crohn's disease, diabetes, prostate cancer. And so then you basically got the patients and they came to the Amazon rainforest to work with indigenous healers for 30 days. So just that was just a little bit of just history, just so we can jump straight in. But I, I, I watched this documentary and just what really struck me is just how do not more people know about this? Like it was, I, I was shocked myself. And how do not more people know about these amazing healing qualities? Well, Duncan, it seems like uh, they are becoming more and more known. And uh, thanks to people like you and my dear friend, Nick Polizzi, who did a great job and just uh, bringing this awareness out into the world and continues to do so. Uh, people are finding out more and more about that. And then, um, of course, uh, there's a Western medicine that is gradually starting to understand and accept the integrative approach. And so there's more and more doctors that recognize the benefits of the Amazonian plant medicines and other plant medicines from around the world. And so hopefully as awareness spreads, it becomes um, more and more of uh, just uh, something that people do in their lives on an everyday basis. Yeah. Could you maybe describe some stories or some, exa uh, some examples of healing that you've personally seen? Well, uh, besides uh, what you've seen in the documentary Sacred Science, um, definitely I continuously see just uh, amazing examples that continue to inspire and motivate me in my life. And so I've seen uh, people who were able to recover from HIV and uh, one of those examples 
um, the person was um, extremely weak and just going through a very difficult time for um, about a month and you know already weak from the health condition and the sickness and then at the same time going through very strict diets and a lot of the medicinal plants you know they bring about a detox and a healing crisis uh, which often makes things worse before they get better and um, it's uh, quite difficult uh, to witness and be with and uh, after about a month's period uh, this individual shared with me one day that he just uh, doesn't feel like he can continue in that way because it was just extremely difficult and uh, as he was ready to give up something uh, just uh, in him turned on it's like it was like second breath and he just decided to give it all he could and um, during that time, in the last ceremony that we had, and as you know, we work with the sacred plant medicines uh, such as ayahuasca. And uh, in that ceremony, um, he had a tremendous breakthrough where until then he was not even able to sit up most of the time. And he had numerous other health conditions as part of just this opportunistic uh, infections that tend to occur. And so during that ceremony, at a certain point, he had this profound realization. And he realized his illness um, to be uh, something that happened to him in order for him to connect to God, to connect to the divine in his life, to straighten out everything that uh, was wrong in his life. And um, the realization that he had was like, uh, he was a very Christian man, <clears throat> um, very devoted. And he suddenly realized that the HIV was, uh, in a way, his cross that was given to him. And um, through that, he was able to come back to his true nature, to himself. And suddenly, all this vitality and strength came up in him, and he was able to just uh, um, sit up throughout most of the ceremony, which was very unusual, because until then, he was very sick. And uh, he had this tremendous breakthrough on a psychological level, and then his body just followed that, and then he just started to recover. And so, in cases like this, when I would, you know, and, um, it doesn't matter through which religion it comes through, but it's really when the spirit of the individual awakens, and suddenly this deep will to live uh, comes through, and then the rest starts to follow. And so that's... Uh, have you found that, um, I mean, you just, you kind of mentioned it a little bit there, but in your work and experience, like what kind of connection have you seen between inner pain, emotion, trauma, being responsible for creating sort of outer symptoms and diseases? Is, is that, is that connection really, really close? Would you say? Yeah, absolutely. That's really what the indigenous people focus on is they recognize the sickness and illness, um, in a very holistic way. And so, uh, in that way, they see that uh, every illness, every disease has a certain origin that uh, is located in the way that uh, we've lived our lives, that uh, uh, is in the way that our personality is uh, channeling the life energy. And so, we're in the modern uh, medicine, 99% of all diseases are considered to be idiopathic which means that the, the origin of them is not known. So mostly it's just treating symptoms. And in these ancient traditions, uh, 
the purpose is to really identify the purpose because you treat one symptom, another one will come until you and they identify the the source of it. And so in this way, um, in these uh, ancient practices, really the source is considered to be um, in the energy field of the individual. And the energy, of course, is uh, not something mystical like we may think about it, but it's something that is connected to our feelings and emotions. How we deal with our feelings and emotions on an everyday level. How we approach our lives and how we really bring that into our personality, into our uh, way of being, the um, resolution of inner and outer conflicts. And so all of that has a lot to do with illness. Apart from the obvious of health benefits, because, you know, obviously um, I mentioned you, you got um, cured from Crohn's disease. In what ways would you say that your life has personally changed since learning and practicing a lot of these ways? Well, my life has drastically changed <laughs> and continues to do so. So it's a continuous process. Uh, and um, initially when... Um, I came to the Amazon about uh, 14 years ago. Um, I had this uh, physical illness. But at the same time, there was a great uh, amount of conditioning in my life and a lot of inhibitions and repressed emotions and just a lot of uh, inner conflicts and uh, more than anything, just lack of greater purpose. You know, besides uh, the physical illness, I mean, the worst thing about that illness that I had, you know, and it was very painful and for... Um, over 10 years I was suffering from it. But the worst thing about it was the lack of greater purpose in life. It's just not knowing why I'm having this disease or what is the purpose of it and why do I have to experience it. And that was the worst part of it. As soon as I started to realize the deeper message in that illness and the communication that my organism was relating to me through that illness in terms of just opening myself up and making my life more fulfilled, um, once I was able to realize that, uh, then uh, the illness was not bothering me so much anymore, even though I was still experiencing the same symptoms at first. And then the symptoms themselves started to go away. So in that way, just gradually I started seeing that the resolution of the physical illness was just the beginning of a deeper healing. And uh, the deeper healing actually involved me really following my heart and starting to uh, live my life in a way that I could see the most useful and beneficial to myself and others. And you combine sort of teachings from sort of multi-disciplines. I mean, from the Andean, Amazonian shamanism, Buddhism, Chinese medicine. I mentioned like the psychology of Carl Jung. Um, have you noticed uh, any sort of universal lessons or principles that is kind of consistent amongst many of these? Do, I mean, do they all complement each other, would you say? Or do you get, you know, do you, do you focus on one for a particular thing? You focused on another thing for a different type of healing. How do they interrelate to each other? Mm, very much so. They definitely complement each other. And even though, you know, we refer to them by different names and they come from different threads of uh, human society and culture and different times, at the same time, it all relates to this intuitive way of being that is inherent in all of us. It's this uh, state that we've all experienced when we were still in the mother's womb, when there is no separation between the consciousness of the mother and the consciousness of the child. And so this state of no separation is something that all human cultures are aiming to recreate consciously in our lives. 
And that is essentially the state of happiness that we are all striving towards. Everyone are striving towards happiness. Different people may have an idea how to get to that happiness. But happiness itself, it's not something that uh, has to be explained to anyone. Everyone knows it on a very deep level, beyond thoughts. And so all of those cultures, they are directing our everyday life and consciousness into that original state. And so in that way, although we may call it by different names, it all has the same inherent essence that we're all tapped in into on one level or another. Do you think by spending time, is it like when we're living in sort of modern society and cultures and cities, like, do you think by just being, you know, in the Amazon, you know, when you're so connected to nature, do you think it's a, mo a lot more apparent? There's a lot more just obvious, you know, and then suddenly we, when we, when we go about our daily lives, you know, we feel a lot more like an individual, like separate, but it's this feeling and it's this, it's this sense of connectedness to nature, to each other. Is it, is, is that what it's all about? Yeah, it, it is definitely very helpful to be in those natural environments to connect with oneself. And at the same time, you know, what, what is required more than anything is the willingness to really face oneself. Often that original state that I was mentioning is that state of innocence and vulnerability that the indigenous people value so much is also connected to woundedness in our lives. And sometimes it's not comfortable or easy to actually connect to that state because of a certain history of trauma that may be associated with it. In our society especially, uh, it's considered that innocence and vulnerability are not, uh, are not uh, qualities that are very accepted because then you can get taken advantage of or you can get hurt um, by someone else. And so people try to protect those states and sometimes to the point where they become your own jail. And so that uh, initial willingness and, uh, uh, will and determination to face oneself is really essential. And then you can start doing it in whatever environment you're in. And otherwise, you can live in a cave for 20 years and still, you know, not really get much benefit out of that because consciousness has to be there first and foremost. What I think is um, interesting about um, you is that you, so, so you grew up and studied in a Western society and uh, you know, I think you, you, know, you went to, um, I believe you went to, uh, like, studied in the university in New York at the Swedish um, college there. And you've since spent a great deal of time living amongst and learning from the ancient communities. Have you, so having first-hand experience of both cultures, what would you say are the most sort of damaging or self-destructive things that you see from the Western world do? Hmm. The most damaging um, that I see in the Western world is uh, essentially this uh, um, conditioning of trying to find the fault on the outside. And there's definitely many different problems in the world today. I mean, there is a crisis that we are undergoing on a global level. And at the same time, um, there has to be this relatedness of how am I responsible for that? Yeah, there may be, you know, there, there are a lot of problems in the world and there's all kinds of disasters and war and famine and different atrocities that are taking place. And yet if I look into it, um, how can I really resolve those issues if I still have inner conflicts in myself? And so really seeing 
um, it from that perspective makes me uh, really see that this is one of the biggest problems in the world today where people are not willing to take personal responsibility for the problems in the world in a way where uh, people really start to take it inwardly first and resolve different inner conflicts and uh, frustrations and irritations and angers so that those situations in the world can be observed from a more clear, more objective perspective and then a solution may come from that. Well, However, if there's a lot of emotional charge then rather than playing the blame game like it's always somebody else's fault some other person thing you know by never taking personal responsibility then we can it can never actually heal if it's always just somebody else's fault mm-hmm. yeah very much so okay and what do you say like I, I, there's, there's a good um on your on your website there's um there's a little uh, little slogan it's talking about reaching you know highest potential highest human potential what do you feel are some of the common things holding people back apart from that was one of them like this idea of personal responsibility are there any other things which are stopping us reach our highest human potential is uh, really this sense of separation and out of that sense of separation this um, you know in a way this illusory idea of a solid self that i'm separate from you and i'm separate from anyone else and then out of that you know it's kind of like the sickness of humanity is uh, this coin of two sides on one side is uh, the the victim mentality. Uh, it's kind of the self-pity or poor me, I'm so miserable, you know, nobody can understand me, you know, the world is against me, nothing is working out. And on the other side of that coin is uh, this uh, sense of grandeur or like this, you know, like very big special specialness. <laughs> where I'm so special. I deserve so much more. You know, and it's like this uh, interplay between this conditioning. There is essentially it's the same conditioning. It's this kind of like um, um, self-pity and self-importance. And so that is one of the biggest things from my experience is uh, just this disconnect that is happening. And um, essentially at the same time, this uh, disconnect is something that everyone attuned into in one way or another. It, it, it exists within everyone on the level of conditioning of our society. And so that can be actually transformed into a greater state of active compassion, of seeing that everyone have to deal with the same issues and everyone have uh, the same um, conditioning to work with the same basic ignorance that is causing the suffering in the world. And then that helps to get out of oneself. If I experience pain, in myself, then actually working towards the resolution of that pain, not just for my own sake, but for the sake of all the beings that may experience it, or even more than what I experience in my life. Yeah. And then, um, at the same time, um, uh, if I experience well-being, then also not just locking in into myself, but really considering others that may not experience it, and then directing it towards their benefit. And so there's this interconnectedness and reciprocity that is at the foundation of all ancient cultures, particularly the ones that I've been working with. And there is this interconnectedness to life, without which it's not possible to really live a life in a fulfilled way. If I just strive towards my own happiness and everyone else are miserable around me, sooner or later someone will step on my foot and make me miserable as well. However, if I, I 
strive towards happiness of everyone, then it becomes a lot more sustainable. You, you mentioned a second ago the word ignorance. Uh, you believe that that's one of the main causes of suffering in the world, ignorance. Why, why ignorance? Is it just, yeah, why, why ignorance? Ignorance in a way is just not knowing any better. It's just not knowing any other better option of how to live one's life or what to do about one's life. And then through that, uh, all the other problems occur. And so I don't really blame anyone or anything for the problems in the world, except that basic <clears throat> state of not knowing. From that not knowing, uh, all the problems start to occur. It's just uh, doing things in a certain way that is disempowering and um, is creating um, unsustainable consequences then all the other problems start to follow. And so essentially that ignorance is present potentially within each one of us. Yeah. And so by directing our attention towards resolution of that, then from my experience, this critical mass of consciousness starts to grow and expand and then everyone are able to relate and uh, understand uh, a, a greater perspective in life. One of the things, I mean, it's it's probably uh, well, it's it's probably not, it's obviously not possible or practical for many people listening to us today to, you know, you know, just pack their bag and you know go and live in the Amazon rainforest. But what are some of the things that people can be doing differently or thinking differently to change their life? Do you feel? Well, essentially, the the first and foremost is just uh, this intention of uh, really getting to know oneself and uh, really facing all of the uh, aspects of oneself, whether they are comfortable or uncomfortable, pleasant or unpleasant. And so to really recognize that uh, uh, perspective that the indigenous people see where all the sicknesses and illnesses is also something natural. It's actually a lesson that is coming through and is uh, bringing a certain deeper realization in our lives that can help us actually uncover a greater purpose in our lives. So everything has a certain meaning and purpose. And uh, then having that intention to really face oneself, be sincere with oneself, and then uh, recognize how the greatest strength can come out of greatest weakness. And so then really approaching everything from that perspective and seeing how life can transform just by changing our view on life, by changing our attitude that we live with and really first and foremost coming into that deeper inner resolution of conflicts and inner peace and then from that everything else follows. Often people think well first I have to be happy um, and then I will heal or, or first I will heal and then I'll be happy, right? Um, or first I'll accomplish something and then I'll be fulfilled. But actually uh, the way that the ancestors cultures approach it is uh, contrary to that. First, be happy, and then you will heal. First, learn how to be fulfilled, and then you'll accomplish different things in your life. So this is something that I feel is related. Uh, I love that. You use the word fulfilled. What, what does a fulfilled life mean to you? A fulfilled life uh, to me is uh, when uh, I can feel useful, in my life and um, when uh, I can experience uh, a sense of uh, self-acceptance and greater purpose 
when I feel connected to um, the universe around me, to the people around me, where I can be useful to people, where I'm open and receptive to other people in my life and learn from them. And so this interconnectedness and reciprocity is something that I've recognized to be very fulfilling in my life. If you had to just give everyone maybe like one action or one thing that they can go away and do today, what would that be? Well, um, one thing that I, that I would suggest is uh, just uh, to be receptive, open, and vulnerable. I mean, it's, it's all coming into one. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, how can people stay in touch, find out more about you and your work? Well, um, um, our organization that I help to co-found is paititi-institute.org. Um, Roman, we, we got 99% of way through that interview and like you're, we, we've been trying to get the internet all up and running and we, we, we got a little bit crackly towards the end, but we got, we got through it. So thank you so much for giving up your time and, you know, and finding a place because yeah, norm, normally you are like deep in the forest and you've gone to Cusco especially to, to have this chat. So we really appreciate it. We've got pretty good internet. So um, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. And um, I didn't, we didn't want to, I didn't want to give too many spoilers away in the documentary because um, I think it's, yeah, I'm definitely going to chuck that in the show notes for people to check out but um some unbelievable healings which um yeah just go against a lot of like what you know you, a lot of the, the healings which we think oh this isn't possible and then some unbelievable results as a result of um working with people like you and some of the uh, the amazonian healers so it's it's been fantastic talking to you and thank you for giving up your time i really appreciate it mm-hmm.